the Uproom Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit uproomfrisco.com. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. I give you news of peace on earth and goodwill to all men. Can you imagine being in that moment, hearing those words from angelic beings or being the shepherds on the fields when the heavens open up and you see this glimpse into the angels rejoicing that the day had finally come, that God through the incarnation would be revealing himself fully and reconciling humanity back to God's heart. Can you imagine the joy and anticipation in the hearts of those angels. I feel like, uh, you know, this, this morning, I want us not to just get reacquainted with the story and, or reacquainted with the, the details of his first coming. I want us to be re-enchanted. I want us to experience the, the wonder of it all. I want us to be enchanted again in a way where the, the celebration that the shepherds and angels have begins to pale in comparison to the joy that's welling up inside of us. If you're anything like me, you've heard these stories hundreds, if not thousands of times. And sometimes we, we can hear something so many times that, that you can lose the magic in the story, the, the nuance and, and those those gems that once uh, just gripped your heart and caused you to praise just become another detail in the story. Um, and sometimes we, um, it's kind of like if you were to read a symphony on a, on a page and you could see all the notes and know how the symphony is supposed to go, it's a really different experience between reading a symphony and actually experiencing one, sitting in, in the beauty of it, having the, the sound wash over you. And that's what I'm, I'm believing for today, that more than just a reading, I want us to experience a symphony that the Holy Spirit is conducting in this moment. You know, because we, we all know that Jesus was born of a virgin, the Virgin Mary. And that's become something that we've heard so many times that it can lose its craziness, the, the wonder of it all. I, when's the last time we were just undone thinking about how the spirit that once hovered over the waters and spoke light, that same spirit that spoke light into darkness hovered over Mary speaking Jesus into her. The, the, all of the... The, the vastness, the immensity of God somehow in a microscopic seed to grow in her womb. How amazing is that? When's the last time we wondered at the implication that the eternal son, the uncreated one, the one who once created everything somehow impregnated creation with himself so that he could get into our construct When's the last time we wondered at the, at the reality that the universe in him is, the bigger, is bigger than the universe around him? When's the last time we, we really like thought about how the king of the universe became a baby? He, he walked our journey from the very first breath to the very last, from... from 
the conception to the cross. He walked and felt the exact same things that we feel. He felt uh, our darkness. He faced our darkness. He grew through all the stages that we grow through from, from infant to toddler to child to adolescent to man because Jesus completely baptized the human experience in his fullness, it means that he made things like puberty, voice cracks, and body hair sacred. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? He loves this. He loves the stuff. He just loves how you are made. His incarnation is the stamp of endorsement and approval upon the human frame. He felt loneliness. He felt our uh, delusion of abandonment. He felt anger. He felt longing, temptation, exhaustion, hunger, thirst, and overwhelming joy. So when was the last time that we were undone by his sympathy? that we have a sympathetic high priest who has experienced everything we could possibly experience, tempted in every way, and yet chose the right way. Last week, we, um, we covered um, our need for a rescuer, our need for someone to pay our ransom, and that we couldn't save ourselves, we couldn't ransom ourselves. And you know, the, the day after, Monday morning of this past week, I... I was just thinking about it all over again, just the concept of ransom, and it struck me, just a new detail struck me that I wanted to share with you guys, and it's the reality that the ransom demands for payment always go to the person who loves the kidnapped one the most. If a child is kidnapped and held captive, then obviously the demand is going to go to the father or the mother or the one who loves the child the most. Again, proving all over in the most beautiful way that we were always his kids. And even when we were far from him, he was more than willing to pay the price to bring us home. And of course, we know that ransom payments, they don't go to good guys right? Ransom payments go to the bad guys who do the kidnapping. And in our case, we were all held captive. And, uh, and I know that this is a metaphor, so it has its place, places where it breaks down, but it's almost as if a deal was made where Jesus was saying, you can have heaven's best. You can have me if you give me them. And this deal was struck in our, all of our debts were paid. The death that we were owed, he tasted. It was poured upon him. He uh, just didn't just die for us. He died as us, being that we were all in Christ. It's this incredible mystery that the one in whom are hidden all things, the one in whom all things were created, died in our place, therefore we died, which also means that we've been raised with him. Isn't this a wonderful reality? I love that, uh, you know, two weeks before Christmas in worship, we started with the end of the story, the resurrection, and forever he is glorified. It's wonderful to know the end of the story from the beginning. Jesus didn't just uh, 
He didn't save us from the Father. He saved us for the Father. Right? Because ransoms go not to good guys. He purchased men from every nation, tribe, and tongue. People for God with his blood. And this uh, redemption plan, he redeemed us from the, the slavery of sin and death. And this redemption plan would obviously come through the child. Last week, I lost my composure uh, all over again, just thinking about how um, the reality that the same word for mercy in Hebrew is the word for womb, that the mercy of God would be manifested through the womb of virgin Mary. You know, it's hard to be a mom. It's hard to be a dad. Mothers and fathers, we have a really hard job. When a, when a child is misbehaving or has lost its way, how do we respond? Or if, what, if a, a, what if it's further than that? What if a child has um, you know, lost, lost their mind to some extent? What, what is going to be our, our response and, and the plan that we put in place to try to bring them back? And do we, do we let the painful and sometimes unpredictably traumatic consequences of their decisions fall upon them? Or do we intervene? When do we intervene? When do we comfort our kids and when do we lecture them? When do we uh, bring some weighty discipline? And when do we show extreme mercy? See, God's kids, that's us, we lost our way. And a moment was prepared by our Father in heaven to save us from the crushing consequences of our decisions. And a plan was put in place for his mercy to be revealed and his reconciliation to be initiated. And some of the verses that we have um, out of the, the traditional Advent lectionary today talk about this beautiful plan of redemption. And I want to start in Psalm 85. This is Psalm 85, verses 1 through 2, and then we'll skip down to 8. It says, you showed favor to your land, O Lord, you rescued Jacob from uh, captivity. In other words, you ransomed and saved us. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. I will listen to what the Lord will say, for he will surely speak peace to his people and his saints. He will not let them return to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him and his glory may dwell in our land. Loving devotion and faithfulness have joined together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Isn't that beautiful imagery? This is a song, by the way. Could you imagine the whole nation singing this? Prophesying of the coming Lord. Faithfulness sprouts from the earth and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed provide what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him to prepare the way for his steps. This is a beautiful song of the, the tender love of our father, that love it, that is compelling him to save and restore us. And I wanna jump right in to the story of Christ coming. Can we open up to Mark chapter one? 
Mark is uh, the first gospel that is written, which means that the first words of this first gospel, uh, they carry some weight. Some of the, the greatest authors in, in our time and in history, they spent a lot of time thinking about how they're going to start their book. You know, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And, and they, they try to craft this moment that, uh, that ends up being unfolded throughout the whole rest of the book. And I think that Mark, um, very inspired by the Holy Spirit breathing through him in this moment, wrote something especially profound and beautiful. This is Mark chapter one, verse one. It says, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, again, like I said at the beginning, sometimes we hear something so many times that it can lose its wonder because um, that, that word gospel has just come to mean, it's got a lot of different modern connotations, but it's like, you know, the salvation or how to get someone saved. It's the good news. Uh, back then, it actually had a completely different meaning, and it was used predominantly by the Romans. Gospel in Greek is pronounced euangelion. You want to say that with me? Euangelion. It's like fun to say, like Francisco. Um, <laughs> hey, now we're rolling. <laughs> So this euangelion, this gospel, this good news, it was used by the Romans, and it had a specific usage, a specific meaning and purpose. Um, and it was when, um, when Rome would have a victory and over a, a new land or, or a, a, some rebel upstarts, uh, what they would say is, good news like Caesar has triumphed, or have you heard the euangelion? Rome has expanded its borders. Have you heard the euangelion, the good news, the gospel that Caesar, and sometimes they would just attribute it to Caesar, that Caesar has vanquished another enemy. And Rome, you know, you guys know, it's, it's an empire that grew through conquering neighboring countries and people groups. And then once it conquered an area, it would put in place, you know, their own rulers to make that area look like Rome under the rule of Rome. And so Rome is spreading like crazy. And, they, and even the, uh, the term son of God back then had a completely different meaning. Uh, Caesar declared himself to be God, that he was divine. And he said that every ruler, every ruling son that would come after him would be a, the son of God. And so Mark in this moment isn't just saying something that, like, that we think with our, our, our modern connotations. He's actually saying something highly inflammatory in that day and age. Mark was saying that not Caesar, but the Son of God has come and won a victory greater than Caesar could ever imagine. This is the euangelion to trump them all. And this made Rome really upset because they knew what he was doing, that he was poking the bear. Now, Mark, um, history has it that he, uh, he was friends with Peter and traveled around with Peter the most. And so he saw 
power and heard the messages and heard the stories. And he would have lived, he would have recently lived through Peter being martyred. He would have recently lived through Paul being martyred. He would have recently tasted of the, the, the ugly power of that empire that had subjugated the Hebrew nation, the Israelites. So when Mark sat down with his quill, this boldness came over him. And uh, my prayer today is that the same kind of fiery boldness would come over us, that we know the real ruler, we know the end of the story. It says in uh, 1 John 3, 8, that the reason the Son of God, Jesus, appeared was to defeat the works of Satan. Jesus won for us a deliverance and a battle far greater than any that could ever be won, waged and won in the physical realm. Colossians 2.15 says that Jesus disarmed Satan and he's won the war. He disarmed Satan of his very worst weapon, which is death, and he freed us from our fear of death. And what I'm hoping that is that the same kind of boldness that Mark had in that moment would possess our hearts and that fire would fill our bellies today. Um, Wow, we're all, we're, it's like lunchtime, guys. But um, let, me just, let me just say this. The rest of this verse goes on to introduce a hero of the story named John the Baptist, uh, who we're gonna, we're gonna talk about next week. But um, <clears throat> Jesus is so important that he gets a herald, a really loud and unmistakably and uh, unmissable herald by the name of John T. Baptist. And um, <clears throat> Jesus is not just important enough to have his own herald, but his herald had his own herald. I'm not talking H-A-R-O-L-D. I'm talking H-E-R-A-L-D. He had his own messenger, his news bringer. And John the Baptist's herald is a guy named Isaiah, a prophet, who said in Isaiah 40, that I'm gonna send my messenger ahead of you, a voice calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And it's, it's as if God, all of heaven, doesn't wanna, want us to miss the importance of this coming, this arrival. It would be like if the president or the governor wanted to visit your home and he's planning on coming over, he wouldn't just show up, right? And if he did, how would you feel if you answered the door in your PJs? And, and there's baskets of laundry behind you and, and sink, the, the sink is full of dishes and there's you know, the governor or the president or someone that you really respect you know, standing at the door. He wouldn't do that. He would have uh, someone from the, a, a secretary from the White House call you and say, hey, the president in three weeks is going to come to your house. This is very important. So I'm gonna set up a Zoom between you and his assistant. And so you get a phone call, that's Isaiah, telling you, hey, there's one coming who's a voice crying in the wilderness, preparing the way for someone even more important. And then you get the Zoom call 
right? And that's John the Baptist. You're seeing someone face to face, and that would be like the assistant to the president is telling you how this is going to go down and, and what to do. And of course, in the meantime, what are you going to be doing in those three weeks? Probably remodeling, right? <laughs> Cleaning like crazy, painting walls, making sure your kids are well-dressed, send them to charm school or something where they learn manners. Like you're going to set out your best and put on your best. And the, the phone call and the Zoom call prepared you for the day when the door would be opening. And that is Isaiah preparing us for John the Baptist, preparing us for the Lord who would come and visit us and all of his majesty and glory. And we're gonna jump into that more next week. Don't you guys love Advent season? I, I love talking about this stuff. Like it's, it's a return, it's getting back to the basics and it's preparing our hearts much like the world was preparing itself for the coming of the Lord. So what I wanna do is just, just stand together and I'll bless you guys and, and let's present our hearts to the Lord. Father, we thank you for the euangelion, for the good news, for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have defeated our enemy, you have vanquished our foes. We thank you that you are healing us and restoring us. We thank you for your wonderful plans. Right now, Lord, we just present our hearts to you again, and we say you're welcome here. You're welcome in this church. You're welcome in our families. You're welcome in our lives. We um, figuratively, spiritually, we prepare a way for you, Lord Jesus. You're welcome to come. We bless you, Lord. We thank you for the, the celebration of this season. God, I pray for miracles to be popping up left and right in our families, Father, we pray for reconciliation and broken relationships. Father, we pray for manifestations of the Spirit's power, for the healing of bodies, and for the turning of hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.